Welcome to the Hoop Collective Podcast. We talk about the NBA, which we are doing so with, of course, Tim Band McMahon from Dallas. Tim, hope you're doing all right. Howdy, partners. And joining us from the bubble in Orlando is Mark Spears. Mark was just telling us before we started that he has been there in Orlando since July 12th. It's October. It is. Is that is it your Markeith Morris Day, Day 88? Uh, uh, yeah. There you go. Yeah, man. I don't have the Wilt sign yet, and uh, thank God I will come shy of that. I was going to say, I don't think you're going to make it. No, no. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll give you a, a free rounding up to that. I think you... Uh, <laughs> I deserve it, huh? I think you deserve it. Um, all right, so uh, we're going to talk about the finals a little bit later. We've been talking about the uh, finals after every uh, uh, game. We've had uh, podcasts with Zach Lowe and myself um, and some some guests um, that's been on uh, this feed. So hopefully you've enjoyed that. Um, we will talk about the finals in a little bit, but I wanted to spend some time early on here discussing business happening elsewhere in the league, specifically um, the, all these teams that are changing coaches. Um, and one team that changed its coach since the last time we spoke was the uh, Philly 76ers going forward and hiring Doc Rivers in a quick uh, hire, um, giving him what I – heard was a pretty uh, healthy five-year contract that was uh, in line with what he was making with the Clippers from what I am told, um, which was $8 million a year. Uh, Spears, Doc was very confident in his press conference that he had uh, after he got the job that he was going to get that squared away in Philly. I mean, it's a you could you could tell that the uh, the ownership and leadership in Philly were very excited when he came to market because they swooped in and got him real quick. How do you like that fit? Well, you know, I, do you remember, Brian, I covered Doc in, in Boston. Uh, I was at the Globe and then when the Celtics won the championship in, in 2008. And if he could figure out a way to get Kevin Garnett, Ray Allen, and Paul Pierce, who I all love, who I love, but also have three of the biggest egos I've ever seen in my life, if he could get them on the same page to win a championship, I, you know, I, I don't bet against him against anybody. I mean, obviously, uh, Joel Embiid is an interesting challenge. Ben Simmons uh, has a lot of potential that he ha- has not reached. Um, Tobias is somebody that he's coached before. But if, if, you know, Doc could get that group in Boston to work and figure it out and understand that it's about the bigger picture, trying to win a championship and not your own individual stats. And if you do well as a team, then everybody eats. Like, because that will be Doc's challenge. And he's kind of a psychiatrist to me. Uh, I think if he could get that together in Boston, I, I got to, you know, uh, not feel like he, he can't get something going in Philly either. I hear what you're saying. And I think Doc, as far as the psychological aspect of the job, uh, you know, I, I don't doubt him there, but I don't think the problem in Philly is necessarily how do they fit from an ego standpoint. That's part of it. I think how do you fit from an X's and O's standpoint? And I just don't know, you know, how how those two guys have their games mesh together when you have – it'll be interesting to see what they do with the roster because that roster is just an ill-fitting roster. There's a lot of – Square pegs and round holes. You to to have those two guys and 
not a whole lot of shooting around them, and then you're paying all that money to Al Horford to basically do what now? Play 16 minutes as a backup center? So to me, the problems go way beyond uh, whether you can fit the, the, the egos of Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid in one room. It's can you fit those two and the other pieces around them on a basketball floor in 2021 NBA? Yeah. You know, Mark, it, it, when you brought out that uh, 2008-9 team, I think it, one, one thing that's interesting, we've seen a bunch or a handful of super teams constructed in the wake of the Celtics doing that. Mm-hmm. And generally, they have struggled uh, getting it put together. And that that team, remember Doc had the Umbutu, am I pronouncing yeah. it correctly? Um, yeah. That, that uh, sort of selfless. How would you describe it? Sort of a selfless methodology. Like, yeah, as one, together as one. Right. A tribal, mentality. like a tribal yeah. uh, chant that was meant to. That team started 27 and two. And even more impressive than the record, they played incredible team defense from day one. The first day of the season, they were the best defensive team. This is stuff that is not normal when star players come together. Yeah. Now he was not able to replicate that yeah. with this Clippers coming together this last year. So, but you I know, the point is well taken. Yeah. Um, I do think one big difference between that Celtics team and the Clippers team when they got Kawhi and PG was just that those three stars in Boston came in healthy. And and Brian, I think you probably remember this because you you saw a lot of big Celtics Cavs games. I thought, and Ray Allen talked about it later, that one of the biggest things that helped them was they had a training camp in Rome and in London. And so they immediately go out there. They're forced to be around each other. Um, They built a lot of camaraderie there. There there was no wives, no family members on this trip. Were you on that trip? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so they they had this bond by the time that they got back from Europe that I don't think they would have received anywhere else. And uh, after that, uh, they didn't go to Europe again, but Doc always like would do a training camp in like Newport, Rhode Island. or, or well, he went to, They went to Hawaii. Yeah. The Clippers were in Hawaii yeah. this last year. But the problem was Kawhi wasn't healthy. Paul wasn't healthy. That to me was a huge difference is those guys weren't healthy shoot, when did they get healthy? Like he could never get those guys together on the same page and, and from a health standpoint. And then I just remember coming to the bubble. They were just a mess, man. Like yeah. you had three guys that weren't here. And then like when they get here, then all of a sudden Lou's gone. And then Lou has the 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 wings fiasco. And then, you know, Montrez leaves because of the passing of his, his grandmother and Beverly leaves like they were just a mess, man. Like and Beverly's hurt again. Montrez never got anything close to a rhythm. I mean, yeah. yeah. And and you know Doc's point, and you know it's it's uh, is he trying to spin the situation? Perhaps, but they did seem to be kind of starting to click, starting to gel, maybe building some momentum just before the season was halted. And then everything went to hell. I mean, they had guys who got coronavirus. You, you know, they had the situations that you mentioned. And when you when you essentially took away, you you took Pat Beverly for all intents and purposes. He was not a 
functional player in the bubble when he even when he was healthy. Montrez Harrell was a shell of himself. You you take those two away, and then Paul George. Let's just be honest. Paul George was an absolute mental mess, and the 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 arrogance of the Clippers. You know they were unbelievably arrogant for a franchise that had never done anything. They, yeah, I, yeah. I just like, I think like why Leonard's ring. They felt like they all had earned that rings. It was just no. I agree with all that. Game. I mean, they they quit in the fourth quarter, of game seven. I don't know if that's Doc's fault. I'm just saying that when you look at Philly, and Doc says, "I know what to do here. I'm going to get this figured out," and that's why the Sixers hired him. Yeah, I just don't know if you can say for sure that's going to happen. I mean. Like what you said, Spears is exactly right. I remember that trip and the way that the um, that the Celtics used that. But I can also tell you, I was with the Cavs in Brazil uh, when they started their uh, their big uh, run together when LeBron and Kevin Love came. And I remember, you know, they they flew down on this flight overnight from uh, from Cleveland in fifteen hours or whatever. And instead of sleeping, they all like got together and like told stories, and it was a real bonding moment. Uh, and then they got down there and I remember I was staying at the same hotel as they were right on, um, Copacabana beach. And I saw LeBron out there running sprints on the sand with Dion waiters. And it was like, Oh, he's going to mentor Dion within a month. He wanted Dion traded. <laughs> so I think you're right. I just yeah. think, you know, you add the same elements together. It doesn't always work. Yeah, No, I mean, I might be being a hopeless romantic with doc, you know, but, uh, I guess if anybody's going to figure out this, puzzle i think he's got as good a chance as anybody man so, yeah, I, so I can that agree with that yeah i can agree with that but at the same time like there's n- n- there's not a single person in the world who you could say hey this guy can solve any nba chemistry problem you know the okay. lob city clippers certainly had their fair share of, well uh, I, there, there's a lot of people in this too. league who believe that ultimately Embiid and simmons are going to be broken up and that that yep. is that it will happen i would say that it's probably a little bit early to come to that conclusion and the sixers organizationally have decided they're going to try a coach change before they try that change, which I think is the right thing to do. There's so much talent there that I think you exhaust all possibilities. Well, um, even before the coach change, they, they tried a position change and several times. And we, we, and you know, we didn't get to see that play out because Simmons got hurt again. So I think there's a decent chance of, of Philly trying to make a trade. I think Tim Bontemps, wrote a piece earlier where he suggested the um, idea of swapping uh, Buddy Heald for Al Horford in a trade. Hmm. Um, and Buddy Heald is, you know, out in, out in Sacramento. Um, <laughs> there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of brush fires in the, uh, in the NBA. It's hard to keep track of all, but, but uh, Buddy Heald reportedly is not returning Luke Walton's calls. <laughs> it's just so um, he, by the way, he's about to start um, his big giant contract extension. Was it 90, 85 or 90 million? Yeah. Um, so, and I don't know. Kind of trade see. that does make sense because, you know, Buddy Heal. Let's be honest, he, the guy can shoot, but that's a bad contract. Al Horford is a bad contract. So both those guys, if, if they're going to be traded, well, it's going to have to be bad. Team. It also depends on what happens with Bogdan Bogdanovich. I think you know he's one of the more interesting free agents out there. Um, Sacramento is got a lot committed to their payroll, and I don't know how far they can go you know, their ownership is not deep pocketed. Um, and it's a little fractured, uh, their, their minority owners and their, um, controlling owner. And so doing cash calls, I'm not going to get into all that, but, uh, so I could see them choosing one over the other when Vadi Divac, who, um, was very attached to Bogdan 
uh, their Serbian um, mm-hmm. uh, backgrounds, I think it was kind of a no-brainer that he was going to remain there. They had the option of trading him uh, back in February and did not. And I think when they did that, it was like, okay, they intend to resign him. Now, um, with new leadership there, I'm not sure what will happen, but we'll but, see. Hey, uh, and I'll say this. This would be interesting. Now, Buddy may not return Luke's calls, but does he return Alvin Gentry's calls? That's interesting. Yeah. Alvin Gentry hired as an associate head coach there. Um, Luke Walton, and he I was his coach with the Pelicans. So, right. you know, there was a history there. Uh, I, I, I think it was a positive history. So perhaps Alvin and his comedic and his uncle way figures out a way to get those guys on the same page. Right. Right. So, uh, so anyway, Doc could have a different hand to work with uh, than Brett Brown did in terms of fitting things together. We'll see. And hey, Brian, can I say this real quick too? The oddity of this bubble, like, and what this is with all due respect to the Miami Heat, like, like it's still stunning to me that the Heat are here. Like, if Ben didn't get hurt, just with all the weirdness that happened here, I wonder what would have happened with the Sixers. Like how they would have fared. I, I, I assume they still would have not hung around long, but I don't know that I could assume that. I I wish Ben didn't get hurt so we could have saw even have a bigger sample size of, of what they are. Yeah, you know, yesterday I was on the jump and they had a, a question on there that the producers came up with that I thought was interesting. They asked which Eastern Conference team right now has the most regret sitting at home. And that was a tough one to answer yeah. because – you know, really? It, uh, to me, the Bucks are a no-brainer. Well, I well, guess, I like but Toronto it, but, in that question. Yeah, Toronto. And if you're if you're Boston now, I realize Boston does not have Anthony Davis. One could argue that maybe they should have made an offer for Anthony Davis. They elected to pass because Rich Paul basically made it clear Anthony wasn't going to resign, and they didn't want to roll the dice. But that's water under the bridge. I know as they don't have Anthony Davis, but if you've seen the game plans that Frank Vogel has put out against the Miami zone, which it's, he's cracked it, he's, they basically waved the white flag, the zone that they really bother the Celtics, and against Tyler Hero, while Hero has had, um, I mentioned this the other night with Zach, Hero has had good scoring numbers, like he's averaging like 17 points or so in the series, he's not doing it efficiently, and, and he's, the shots that he is making are crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, hero, you know, vanquished the Celtics. If I'm the Celtics watching the, the, the Lakers game plans, I'm like, and why didn't we try some of that? Um, it, it's not like, um, having a guy linger on the baseline, uh, is a revolutionary idea. Um, you know, I realize <laughs> that that guy's not going to be Anthony Davis. loving and athletic and skilled. Well, I, I, I got you. I'm just saying I can make a case for the Celtics. And then as Spears is talking about, you can make a case for the Sixers. By the way, I've never used the word vanquished in a sentence. That was very good. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyeho Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is hypnotic and tequila season. Hypnotic liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. I want to talk a little about the Rockets opening. 
uh, this is your bread and butter, McMahon. And I know Spears, you're keeping an eye on this. Uh, uh, Mark Stein from the New York Times uh, reported this week about John Lucas being a strong candidate there. I really don't get a feel for what the Rockets are doing. I assume for months that they knew that D'Antoni wasn't coming back. That was pretty aligned. I would have thought they would have had some sort of plan lined up. Maybe they do, but they're taking their time here. I mean, I still think Jeff Van Gundy is probably the favorite, but they are definitely doing their due diligence. And, you know, Spears uh, put out the list of all the candidates that they've either already interviewed or have interviews lined up with, you know, they'll, they'll probably add to that list. Really, I think the, the most important thing for the the coaching candidates is going to be, uh, you know, aligning with Daryl Morey and his vision uh, in terms of, you know, basketball philosophy as well as who's going to be on that staff. Because we all know Daryl Morey is very hands-on in terms of putting together a coach's staff. This is not, hey, we hire the coach and he has freedom. So, uh, again, being on the same page with Daryl Morey is going to be absolutely critical. And the other thing is, you know, Ty Lue's interview in there, I'll be honest with you, I don't think Tillman Fertitta is paying Ty Lue's market value. I don't think he's paying top Yeah, he didn't go to the Lakers because of various factors, including cash. And I think Ty Lue still has one year left from uh, Cavs money, if I'm not and mistaken. I, and I think Steve Ballmer will end up paying what he's looking for. Yeah, yeah. he's the he's the he's the leading candidate there. I would say. Yeah, the the, the Rockets thing is curious to me because they're talking to a lot of people, and um, you know I know Tim mentioned Van Gundy a lot. I don't think they have anything scheduled for him yet, nor with with T. Lue. And Lukey is supposed to be the last of the group. And I, I think he wants to be the last guy to have a say-so and kind of explain his uh, – I mean, they, they know him. He's right. local. They don't have to fly him in. But I, I think he he really kind of wants to give them the last word. But, you know, David Vanderpool, I believe, is interviewing today. I, I think he's a great name. I think he's a strong candidate, Spears. Yeah. Yeah, I I, I, I I think I thought he was a candidate in Oklahoma City, but I haven't heard that. I don't know if it's just stayed tight, but I thought he'd be a good candidate in Oklahoma City as well. No, I agree with that. I mean, he's he's somebody that I'll be excited for him to get his chance. I think he'll right. do a great job. He certainly paid his dues, and and as will Damian Lillard, who yeah. you know un, unprompted uh, was was stumping for him on Twitter, which you know tells you a lot. Yeah, and so you know Wes Unsell, he's certainly a guy who's paid his dues. He he interviewed yesterday. They they just and maybe Tim, you can explain it more to me, but probably best. But like why why are they're casting such a wide net? I, I just think that's the way Daryl Morey uh, operates, and you know, again, I think so much of this is just the the fit with him because look, there's not going to be major roster remodeling that has happened. And they've used their bullets. They they traded for Russell Westbrook and gave up picks. They traded for Robert Covington and and you know gave up their starting center as well as a a first round pick in that deal. You know there it's this is not a team that has picks to give up. This is not a team that has you know probably probably their most intriguing young talent um, is not even that young and it <laughs> didn't help his trade value. And that's Daniel House Jr. Um, they, they, they just don't have the assets to really do much 
with the roster. Um, and it, so it's a unique situation in that it's a, you know, the, the, obviously the philosophy is extreme in terms of the, the centerless small ball. Um, and then it's a very defined window where you are expected to come in and compete for a championship right away. And then two or three years from now, you might be looking at a, at a you know, full-fledged rebuild. I think you'll be lucky if you get two years. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think they're I think you know this group is to, is together for next season whatever next season is and then you may have changes. So well, I, I'll tell you one you you want me to give you one cheat code I think for success for that team. Go for it. I think you have to bring in either Mo Cheeks or Robert Pat. Those are two coaches that have extremely strong relationships with Russell Westbrook mm-hmm. and. It, the weird thing about Houston, and, and again, Tim, correct me if I'm wrong, because you're around it much more than me, is I think they they probably over-glorify making Harden the star there, and they didn't really make Chris Paul co-star. They didn't do it enough with Russell Westbrook, who's setting screens oddly for for James, you know. But to me, in order to get the most out of Russ, you need somebody he knows that he trusts that he he can ride with and who could get the best out of him. And and to me, the two guys that could do that the best are Mo Cheeks and Robert Pack. Robert Pack talks to him on a regular basis. They're really close from Robert's days coaching at Oklahoma City. Um, obviously, Mo Cheeks got to be close with Russ in Oklahoma as well. So to me, whoever that coach is, and I'm giving him a tip, I mean, it, it would have been actually interesting to see if Mo could get an interview for that job, but it's still James Harden's world. Mm-hmm. But if I'm a new head coach there, one of those two guys have to be on my staff. You know, I, I don't disagree with with your, your advice there. Um, I do think that D'Antoni managed to kind of maximize Russ until – the 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 season was suspended and he got coronavirus and then he got hurt again but and it took a while and and honestly it it took the shift to small ball and opening up the floor it took Russ getting healthy coming off of the offseason knee surgery and some early season you know finger injuries him getting comfortable obviously drastic shift in uh with a new franchise new surroundings new role et cetera et cetera but you know, from January first until the season was suspended, Russ was averaging like thirty-two, eight and eight, playing the most efficient basketball of his career. And I think you know it's easy to forget because the bubble was so tough on him. You know, getting there late, never getting his rhythm, getting hurt again. You know, the playoffs he wasn't he wasn't Russell Westbrook. He was limping around with a bum wheel and yeah. you know not not in his kind of shape. But uh. I, I do think that it, Dan Tony left the blueprint for maximizing Russ as James Harden's teammate. Yeah. So I will say, you know, all of us know Jeff Van Gundy. Um, he's a colleague. Uh, he is he really badly wants to get back into coaching. He talk about rolling up your sleeves, went through this two year long process where he was coaching the national team without any without any NBA players, mm-hmm. mostly without G League players. He meant sometimes would get one or two and he'd go off to, you know, Argentina, you know, or Uruguay, you know, he'd go off to Nicaragua, wherever, wherever they went and play these qualifying games. And uh he was with Team USA last year in China. And I gotta say, um 
he was basically a a runner. I mean, he was like um, seeing him out there rebounding for the guys that shoot around, running around and uh, rebounding. I mean, he's really tried to reinvigorate his career. He really wants another job, and Houston is is his home. Right. Um, so, like, look, I mean, I am I uh, want the best for Jeff, but is that can you see Jeff Van Gundy? I mean, we hear him every single day. He is not what I would call a progressive when it comes to the view of the game. Coaching arguably the most progressive team we've ever seen in the NBA. Could you actually see that fit with a guy who's already fired him once or whatever that departure was, who's ever call that was? Yeah. I mean, it's interesting, but I mean, that's been all season long. That's been the, the name that you've heard the most connected to that job. And, you know, it's not like, uh, it's not like Van Gundy would go into that, you know, saying, Hey, we've got to do it my way. We've got to do it my way. Because if that's the way he goes into it, he's not getting the job. Spears, is that considering the, the, um, the, you know, the, the, the push amongst players, especially to have more representative coaches. Um, is that a factor here? Especially when you've got guys like David Vanterpool and Wes Unseld, guys who have been paying their dues. I think it's mutually exclusive with the team, uh, the ownership and how they view things. And I, I've told, you know, Mark Tatum, or Stewart, this, or Stewart runs the diversity and inclusion of the NBA and Mark Tatum's, the, you know, second in command. Like it's, it's, it's like being McDonald's corporation. You, you can't tell what your, your franchises, franchisees who to hire. And I think the NBA is in the Which same Which is what Adam boat. Silver has said. He, we don't yeah. tell him who to hire or fire. Which yeah. So isn't what they do. True, but yeah. <laughs> but what they do is they, they send them a, a diverse list of people that they may know or may not know. Um, probably has Vanderpool high on the list or, or Wes Underselled or Steven Silas high on the list. But ultimately, it's up to the team. Like, it's up to the team to change things. And I also think it's up to the players. You know, like what Damon Lillard did, I thought I thought was huge for Vanderpool. Mm-hmm. But how many players are doing that? Like, you know, who does James want? What is he saying something behind the scenes or? Yeah, that's a that's a catch twenty two for a player, especially yeah. a a star player like that. Because same same situation with like Giannis and you know and Bud. Like there was some thought that Bud may be in trouble, and it was like, well, ask Giannis what he wants. But Giannis. Yeah. Giannis isn't looking for that because if Giannis is deciding who the coach is, it puts him in an untenable position going forward. You know, but like, I, you know what? I, I think what the players could do is not so much decide who the coach is, but maybe push them to do what I guess what, what I like about Houston. Is, what Houston is doing is with all due respect to like Luke Walton, right? It's not like they just hired somebody. Right. They're they're actually bringing somebody in and interviewing them. And what I think any person of color, any woman, anybody black wants is just a fair chance. Like who you decide in the end to, to be your coach, to be your general manager, to be your president is your prerogative. And, you know, uh, Donovan is a really good coach. And. The Chicago Bulls, I thought, did a pretty good search and talked to a lot of different diverse group of candidates, and that's who they picked. So that's who they picked, and I respect it. What I didn't respect is, and perhaps the Bulls learned from this, is when they have the president job, 
and they they bring in uh, uh, their first round of candidates, and and none of them are black candidates when there's a ton of guys that are qualified for the job. So I think a lot that gets lost is, especially when I beat the drum, I guess you could say, is I'm not saying you have to hire somebody black, but at least try to bring in a diverse group of candidates. And, and maybe that guy you bring in convinces you they're best for the job. Well, and that's where is- I think that the Bulls learned is like, you know, Troy Weaver, that whole thing was a token thing. They could say whatever you want. And uh, that was a token situation that Troy wasn't comfortable interviewing. And it all it ended up working out with him because he went to Detroit. And even in Detroit, they they were kind of doing some slick stuff too in terms of who they were looking at. And they canceled a couple interviews when it got out in public that their whole front office was was white male and, and they hadn't been looking at anybody of color. Um, so they switched up. But I think what the Bulls learned is like, look, let's look at a diverse group, pick who we think is best. And, and I can respect that. Well, and the other thing is there's value in interviewing. And if, and if you're trying to develop a diverse pool of candidates league-wide, there's value in assistant coaches interviewing for jobs, even if they're not getting those jobs. You know, that there's a learning process there. And there are there also, you know, there can be situations, and you know, perhaps this even happens with Steven Silas in this situation where he interviewed for the job when Dan Tony got it and you know, left a left a good impression. And, you know, look, these NBA jobs, there's not a whole lot of Spolstros, yeah. Pops, and Carlisles. Most of these things yeah. are going to turn over every four years or so. Yeah. So sometimes, you know, you interview for the job now and it might put you, you know, in position mm-hmm. to get it the next time, or it just helps develop you as a candidate and, you know, boost you in, in terms of, uh, well, like, your opportunities he, I just, if you look what the Knicks did the day that Leon Rose got the job as the president of the Knicks, most people believe that Tom Thibodeau was going to be his coach. Yep. That was in February. They did go through a very long interview process where they even had second. Um, I mean, they interviewed like I think over ten candidates, and then they even had a second round of interviews, and then they hired Tibbs. Um, but they did have a process, so yeah. you know it's. Uh, I don't know. We're in a we're in a time where everybody's learning. Yeah, and know what uh, another thing it does too. Those people. Like, like, for example, you do those interviews. It, it's not just a GM or just a president. There's a group of people in there who perhaps they could get a job at another place and be like, man, I, I remember when I interviewed that guy and, you know, such right. and such place. He was really good, man. We should right, bring right. him in. Yeah. I liked him. I, I wasn't in ability. I didn't have the ability to hire him at that time. But I always liked, liked him or I liked her. Like, yeah, let, yeah. Let's give them a chance. So. To you guys' point, like those interviews are huge, and that and, and, and with Brooklyn, and I love Steve, man, and I, I think Steve will be just fine. But I just wish there was just a more diverse interviewing process. But ultimately, you have two black players who certainly had to have played a role in wanting Steve to be their coach. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy? is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. 
from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts, 122 million. For your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. Before we talk about the finals real quick, I wanted to touch on New Orleans. New Orleans is an extraordinarily interesting job because you have Zion and you have this big moment where you have a chance to mold Zion. Um, they are taking their time. I'm, you know, to me, this is a vitally important offseason for Zion. He has got to get healthy. He has got to get himself in NBA condition. So he, I assume he is working every day right now towards it. But ideally, you'd like to have your coach begin to develop that relationship. That is everything there. Not to mention they have some veterans on that team, you know, in Drew Holiday, in J.J. Redick, uh, you know, but they've kind of been in a weird spot. I, I think that David Griffin was really interested in hiring Ty Lue, who he won a championship with in Cleveland. And I think Ty Lue was interested in Philly, and I wasn't sure it was gonna, that was going to work out. And I think Griff thought he was in decent position. Um, again, as you mentioned, McMahon, uh, New Orleans was going to have to pay to get Ty Lue. But um, uh, I, I, th I think they were willing because I think David Griffin was, was seriously looking there. Now with the Clippers... I mean, if if Ty Lue was interested in the Sixers first, of course he's going to be interested in the in the Clippers. So I don't know if they don't get to, you know, if they don't get their, you know, their top pick there, what direction they go in. Um, I have heard sort of a, an underrated name um, there, Will Weaver, who right now coaches the Sydney Kings of the um, Australian league. He was previously with the Nets and the Long Island Nets where Trajan Langdon, who was the GM in uh, underneath Griffin there was in this last year. Um, the Pelicans had a draft pick, Didi Lozada, uh, who was like a 35th pick last year, uh, a guard. They sent him down to Sydney partially because of the uh, connection uh, between Trajan Langdon and uh, Will Weaver whether or not he's a legitimate candidate for the lead job or he's an assistant lead, but um, this is a super hey, Brian, important. Brian, real quick, yeah, who, who yeah. hired Black? Uh, was Griff, did Griff hire oh, him? Oh, well, I mean, Griff was in the job when he was hired, but <laughs> the owner, yeah, that yeah, was yeah. the owner who hired him, and, and Griff's yeah. maneuver there was to hire Ty Lu. He paid him more money. He, he, something that is rare that you would say today is he, he paid him more money than the Clippers to be the lead assistant. And, uh, he was sitting there. Um, that's who, I mean, I don't want to put words in Griff's mouth. That's who Griff wanted to hire. Um, so, and obviously he, I mean, I, I remember, um, I'll tell this story. Uh, I, had, I had come to, um, Cle uh, to Kevin Love is having his first day in Cleveland, and I was going to do an you know a sit down interview with him for Sports Center, and so it was like in August or something, and it wasn't many people in the Cavs facility, and I'd done the interview with Kevin, and I'd stopped by Griff's office, and we were chatting about the staff. I hadn't met David Blatt yet. He was telling me about him. He was telling me about Ty Lue. I didn't know Ty at the time, and um, he was telling me how players just love Ty Lue. Um, 
you know, that, you know, it's just amazing how, uh, how many players respect him. And, and Kevin Love walks into Griff's office to have a little chat with him. And I was leaving and, uh, he heard us talking about Ty Lu and, uh, and Kevin who, you know, had been on the cast for 15 minutes. Uh, it's like, Oh yeah, Ty, I love Ty. And Kevin had spent his whole career in, um, in, in Minnesota, you know, he had never played for Ty. So, um, Griff, from day one was really attracted to the way Ty Luke could connect with players. And it ended up being a championship connection with LeBron, of course. But, um, but if he's not able to get him, you know, it's, it's a really big, important hire and he's taken a long time with it. Um, this is something that's, it's a pretty, it's a pretty big job Spears. Yeah. I, it's, it's, it's been real quiet though, huh? Do you, do you think part of it is, well, I know that and, there's that they they want to save money as long as they can before they you know, not knowing when the season's going to start. And... You know, I, I don't think I don't think that the I think money is a challenge for every team right now. But I don't I think the the ownership there is is offered them support. I don't think they're I don't think they're hamstrung like maybe some other teams are. That's my feel at least. Maybe I'm wrong. Uh, I'm going to mention one name that I think is is going to be a candidate there. Uh, I definitely think fits the the mold as far as being somebody who is extremely popular player, is great at developing relationships with players, and has some history with David Griffin. That's Jamal Mosley, um, the assistant with Dallas. He is he is Luca's go to guy, the Mavericks defensive coordinator, which is you know kind of his job in in that role is to make chicken salad out of chicken feathers. Um, <laughs> But uh, I and and I know Rick Carlisle feels Mosley's interviewed for for several other jobs. I, I believe he is going to interview with the Pelicans. I I don't want to be firm. I know on there, that. I know some stuff that I can't. I don't really want to say here because I get in trouble. So okay, but, but I, I I do think Mosley's got a chance to to emerge as a legitimate candidate there. It's a big job with Zion. It's a really big job. I'm not that Zion's hard to handle, but it's more about. This is a guy who's got to motivate him and got well, to, and got to figure out this. a way to play. One thing about Mosley, he he can command respect in a room, and he's one of the few assistant coaches who, if it's a back alley brawl with NBA players, I'm going to bet on him 95% of the time. Hmm. Yeah, he was an assistant in Cleveland when Griff was there. Um, uh, do, do you think David's in a position where he, because Zion is there, that he has to hire a name coach? You know, I understand why you're asking that, and I think conventional thinking would be yes, but knowing Griff the way I do, Griff's a guy who kind of believes in what he believes in and does what he wants to do. In fact, it's one of the reasons why he walked away from Cleveland. I mean, he did not get fired in Cleveland. He had just he had just won a title. He was, he was just taking a team to the finals. Like he he just was like, Look, I can't come to an agreement here. And there were there were several other jobs that he was a strong candidate for. I know Orlando, for example, was one of them. Um, you know, who knows what direction they would have gone. You know, they ended up hiring Jeff Weltman, but where he didn't feel 100% comfortable because he wanted to have a certain way that the the thing would operate. And so um, it's a good question, Spears, but it's not my feel. Uh, I, You know, my, my feel is he's going to do what he thinks is right. But it's a big hire, man. It's a really mm-hmm. – this is such a huge – moment for the Pelicans because um, it gets, it gets, it gets late fast with young players, man. It just does. And uh, because 
you know, they're they're still, you know, even though they've got some veterans there, I mean, there's a possibility, I think, that that they that they I think that they they took some phone calls on Drew Holiday, um, you know, last February. I don't think he was out there, but I think it wasn't like they slammed the phone down. And um, and I think that that's possibly in play. They've got some big giant decisions to make. They're going to pay Brandon Ingram. Well, that's, I think, already made. I think that's going to happen. Um, All right. We'll watch New Orleans. That's going to be interesting. There's some other jobs out there, but I think those are the the big ones. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call or click ranger.com or just stop by. You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes, catch the clutch hits, strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems with nothing on your roof. So who's ever up there, whether it's roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it, you won't find the satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games are on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Yes, stream your team. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit directtv.com and sign up today. Claim based on total games carry on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Spears, you've been at these finals games. You've been talking to these players. Um... We've, we've talked a lot about it on the other pods, uh, but I just wanted to ask you before we left. Uh, the Lakers have impressed the hell out of me in the bubble. Um, they, are, they are better than I thought they were, even with Anthony Davis and LeBron. Anthony Davis has been better than I thought he was. Um, KCP has been better than I thought he was. Rondo has been better than I thought he had left. It's been very impressive to watch, and it's been very impressive in these finals. They did drive me batty, though. I would say the first three games because I felt like once they knew they know they're better, Ryan. They know they're better. Of course. They know they're more talented, but yet they would hit that cruise button, man. And I think one of the things that's kind of allowed the Lakers to continue to do that is when have they been tested this whole playoffs? Like they had Portland. I don't even shoot this so long ago. Who did they play in the second round? Houston. <laughs> <laughs> like, like you could one could maybe make an argument that you know that was the best team they've played they you know? had the test was supposed to come in the conference finals yeah. and the Clippers didn't make it and they, they never played anybody that was higher than a third seed and so they lost the first game in the first round they lost the first game in the second round because they were like they've, they've been extremely well rested um, this has been great for LeBron. This has been great for AD. Like they haven't had to get on a plane. They've been knocking their opponents out quickly. And so I, my worry is with, with them is like, are, do they feel challenged? You know? Um, and so like, cause they could have swept, they could have swept Miami. They probably should have swept Miami. So. Well, I, think I mean, they, Miami's they, been hampered by injuries. But and they exactly been, that's but. why <laughs> they that's why they should have swept them. Like they didn't have two starters, and they lost. You know, like so. To me, it's not that they are certainly the best. They're they're going to be champs. We see it. They just need to get it done, and they could only play who's in front of them. But 
it's time for them to stop playing games, get it over with. And now you're, you're speaking to somebody that's been here since July 12th. <laughs> right. So yeah. that's why I, I didn't, I wasn't down with LeBron. when the, I understand, like when LeBron said the other day, you know, I thought this was, this is one of my most important games ever is a must win game. I was like, well, that's a ridiculous statement. It was absolutely not a must win game. And it absolutely not, wasn't even close to one of his most important games. However, when LeBron's thinking of getting home on Saturday, yeah, <laughs> I I understand. I I'll give him a pat, a little bit of a pass. Yeah, because I, I do wonder at this point, like you you got the, you know, the heat culture and that mentality, and we're built for the bubble. But at this point, like how, um, you know, where, where's the pride at? <laughs> like, like when they show up tomorrow night and they have, you know, they have to pack up. Both teams will be probably packed up. And it's not a far flight from Miami. You could, like you said, be on the beach on Saturday. It's like, are you really <laughs> going to beat these guys three games in a row? Like, I, I don't know. The heater, the heater. That's not how the heat roll. The heat, the I heat know, play. They'll come ready brother. to play. I but, know they will. But you know, I the wonder thing, if there's going to be a after crack. you win a championship. There's sort of this lingering that happens. Everybody sort of celebrates. I mean, remember the last time LeBron won? They they made a pit stop in Vegas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if they win on Friday night, they're going to be they skipping. go to Miami, right? Because they could do stuff in this state. <laughs> grab that. They're yeah. going to grab that trophy. Also, I want to know, like, um, when the game ends, like, you know, when it when it's over, whether it's in game five or game six or whatever, does the bubble immediately evaporate? Like, do the walls come down and, and Genie Bus can come in and accept the trophy? I don't think so. Maybe they, like have some lift thing that they lifted up to her. I kind of like it because I, I always find it odd when the, the owners are like, get all the praise. I mean, yeah, you own the team. I get it, but you didn't. No, play. no, no, no. I, I don't care. I'm just saying like yeah. all these Lakers friends and family who came. No, I, they can't come down here, man. We don't want them down here. Yeah, we're, but it's, we're, over. We're, it's no, over. No, no, no. Let's, the pandemic ain't. Yeah, but yeah. Spears, you're going to have to go back. I'll, I'll wait till I, I leave the property. When I leave the property, <laughs> then you know. But but you no. Know, what well, for for you guys thing though? They have a, they've told us that unless you got a uh, a clearance for whatever reason, uh, for a very good reason, by three p.m. They say the Lakers close it out tomorrow by three p.m. and Saturday, you, you got to get the hell out of here. Right, the bubble's coming down, baby. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you gotta my, come join my, us, people, now, in the non-bubble be, world. My flight will be gone long before. <laughs> that. Right. I, I got the first thing smoking, if if such is the case. <laughs> it, it, it's all all I gotta do is check in. It's, all it's right. On. Well, let's uh, let's not let's not discard the heat. But McMahon, before we go, um, we talked a lot about the Lakers for the last one year now. Um, by the way, the Maury tweet is. The, the the date of whatever it was a year ago Monday was the Mori tweet a year Jesus. ago since then still the same season I I was in India over a year ago with the uh, Kings and the Pacers for preseason which game. trip was better Rome London or India don't answer that uh McMahon, India really Taj Mahal was amazing man I'll never okay. forget that all right yeah McMahon yeah. Your thoughts on this for the finals before we go? Oh, I thought you were asking me which trip was better. I said, I was like, I McMahon, did. you know, like he's like, McMahon went to China like about a year before I did last year for the World Cup. McMahon 
I was I like, don't. oh, there's nothing to eat. And, you know, just I never left the hotel. I had a fantastic time yeah. in China. And uh, I ate beautifully. Worldwide windy. Worldwide windy. Should have called Marbury, man. He would have taken you around. I, I was well taken care of. No, I, I, I love I love Shanghai and Beijing. And Shenzhen, where I was. Where mm. McMahon was like, oh, I didn't leave the hotel. Shenzhen was great. Go ahead, McMahon. Lakers. I mean, I wish they were challenged more. I wish we had more drama. Yeah. Um, yeah, we all wish that. You know, I I do think it's it's funny that everybody's cr- trying to crown AD as the best player in the world. And it's like, what are you talking about? It's probably the guy who's about to win his fourth title in, in his 10th finals. Um, and, you know, this is just adding to LeBron's legacy and starting to create one for AD. Well, we'll be talking about it. Uh, join Zach Lowe and I after the game, um, and then we'll uh, be back to our regular schedule uh, by Sunday. Next time we do a pod, maybe we'll, files will be over. Maybe Spears will be back at, in, in the Bay. We'll see. Thanks for listening to Hoop Collective Pod. Thank you, Tim. Thank you, Mark. Thank you to Troy back in Connecticut. Everyone have a wonderful weekend. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms or restrictions apply.